0: Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Radio Pi. I'm Nick Durazio from OSIsoft, which is now part of Aviva. Today we're going to be talking about the use of sensor-based data in discrete manufacturing. Weber Metals is a major supplier of aluminum and titanium forgings to the aerospace industry. They're located in Southern California and among the thousands of things that they need to manage with sensor based data is a 60,000 ton forging press that is the world's largest private investment in aerospace metal forging. Joining us from Weber is the man who's responsible for creating a centralized data infrastructure to optimize production. That's automation engineer David Mitchell. Hello, David. Hello. And also joining us today is uh, co host uh, Sean Upson. He's the system engineer who consulted with David as he planned the project out. So he's going to be able to tell us about the project and about the um, just how he worked with David to, to get answers about uh, how to put together the design. Uh, hello, Sean.
1: Hey, happy to be here. Happy to talk about pi with you. all.
0: Great. David, can you go ahead and start by just telling us a little bit about what you do at Weber?
2: Um, well, I do uh, a number of things right now. Um, I started out working in, with the SAP and MES team because um, um, I'm familiar with databases. I'm familiar with um, both, uh, you know, traditional uh, SQL databases, and um, I've also developed business applications. So when I started out at Weber, I was on the more of the IT data side, and um, now I'm and the maintenance equipment engineering side of things. So I'm really trying to be the bridge between, uh, you know, the shop floor and all the data from the shop floor, and our centralized databases and centralized, you know, uh, enterprise networks, and such to, to bring all the data on the plant floor uh, up to, to the people.
0: Okay, yeah, you
2: know, that running show.
0: So one of the things that I'm fascinated about this uh, topic is, you know, you, you tell them the standard kind of uh, getting rid of silos of information story that we hear from so many people. Can you describe yeah. to me some of the issues that you had before you started putting this project together?
2: Um, well, being from the 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 IT side, and, um, you know, previous to, to really doing the more of the, the IT business application stuff, I was a controls engineer, um, Actually, come from electrical engineering background, I got into controls, and I got in the software. Um, so I had seen a lot of plant floors and seen what good was and seen what what not so good is as far as uh, uh, sensor based data and uh, so I kind of come to the company knowing about the challenges of sensor based data and when I got there I looked in and saw there's at least eight silos of data you know and I'm like hey Um, and then they're trying to add another one and use MES but I was like no this is not the right way because yeah, there's, there's, there's data for for time series data just, just really you're fitting, you're trying to fit one thing into another thing they, they don't really doesn't really work that well. No, I know we, we talked um, about
0: that all the time the t- it's it, it's great for transactional processing, because you know, you yeah. get a credit card, you want to back out. It's mm-hmm. great for that. But time series, not yeah. so much optimized. No, it's
2: not so good. It's not optimized. It's clunky. Uh, with the time series stuff, you have the swinging door algorithm, you can save much space on the on the um, hard drive, which people might not care so much about, but what they do not care as, about as much as it gets up to your to you, you know. Um, so, mm-hmm. Okay, you know, so it sounds yeah, like
0: I, it sounds like the story of situational awareness, um, yes. stuff in 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 a variety of places. Why was it difficult to pull all that stuff together? I mean, if I understand um, correctly, you had a real grab bag.
2: Yeah, well, most people don't understand this stuff most people don't get the uh, the difference between a uh, a relational database and a time series database took a a number of talks with people to you know to get them to understand the benefits and how we can do things better than than we're doing mm-hmm. and how these data silos are limiting us and um right
0: well let's, you know, well, let's well, get well, everything
2: well, in one one spot would be way better
0: Okay, so now with that the situation, and you're looking for situational awareness in a single in a single structure, where did you start? What, what's what, what? How did you get started? And did uh, was Sean involved at that point?
2: Well, we started with um, just I started explaining to people what hey, what we're doing, we could do better. And then really, what happened is we come up with a new need. Hey, we need to record data on this, we need data on this. And, and um, Proposals were put up for some more data silos, and I was able to say, No, we got there's a better way, and was able to get it put in. The other project um, is 60k area, that is the new stuff um, that had been we had been doing some data recording with the SCADA system, the Siemens SCADA system, the historian, and that was still row column data. What was hard was for us to get that data out in um, the format that. That was required to get we're working on getting a power rebate so the power we need a certain format and we Mm -hmm. couldn't get it to be in that format with PI um, it wasn't that hard (laughs) because it's set up to to get in to pretty much any format I I don't know a format that we need to get that we can't get it in as far as um, you can slice it however you want it
0: Sean, can you? um, Can you describe? What's it like? What's the process you go through when you're working with a customer like like David, and trying to define what their system should look like?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, the first thing really is to understand uh, what David's going through, you know, I want to listen to him, I want to hear everything that he just said, I want to hear what all of his problems are. I want to hear where he's at right now. And I really want to understand where he wants to go with it. You know, so when I was, you know, initially uh, talking to and listening to to David and getting really excited about, uh, you know, just his goals of breaking all, down all these different silos, and uh, we, once we hear all those things, then I can start asking some questions into the details. You know, what are the different systems? What protocols uh, do they? Those systems speak. You know, where are they in the network? And then we can really start to get in there and understand more of what's going on and and what. Uh, is going to be required for the system at the end of the day to accomplish that. But the other thing I was also thinking of when we were initially talking about this uh, and hearing David's goals, I was very, very excited about that, knew that we could do that, but also felt like there's a bit more that we could pull out of it within that scope at the same time. And I think, David, as we started to to work, your perception of what Pi was Changed uh, from the beginning towards the end. Could you could you describe that process and how that that works? Yeah, it, it have
2: because so I had um, I had previously worked with Pi because we needed it in the facility that I was in and uh, it was very successful. Then I got doing other stuff. I kind of got the historian world for a bit and more into, into business application stuff. And when I came back, um, I was like, "Well, Pi is what we need here, guys." Um, and so when I started, I already I knew it was a story, and I knew what it could do as far as that. Um, and so there was either I didn't know what the older system could do, or we there was many new improvements in the last 10 or 15 years since <laughs> I've been introduced to it. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of things we c- you can do. I, I've noticed with the asset framework, with connections to uh, to um, relational databases, and mixing both time series data and relational data having um, event frames and notifications um, so you can you know it's not just a historian Uh, although that's the main thing that big thing that we need we must do historian stuff but it can do a lot more it's a lot more flexible a lot more powerful than the majority in fact any of the other systems that we have on the shop floor
1: for this type of stuff
0: Okay. And we'll get we'll get into some of those other things. so um,
1: David, which specific silos so far have you been able to combine within that uh sixty K press area? Um well the first one I've duplicated everything that's
2: on the Siemens SCADA um the device. Yeah, I think um, there were the, right the
1: bag houses as well.
2: Yeah, so the bag houses were uh, a a new system. So that was uh, T0 for data recording. It wasn't really replacing something, but what we did do was prevent another silo. Right now, I'm working on um, duplicating everything that is on the, uh, we have an ignition system. The thing with that is it's, it, it works. It's in row column data, so it's not real efficient. Um, and while it meets requirements for many of the things that we do, it's um, nobody knows how it's currently at the company how to program it (laughs) yeah so um, so we'd like to get rid of that and hopefully in backfill hopefully someday not too far in the future we can backfill all the data from that database into the PI system is what what I'd like to do to to fully decommission some stuff and still retain the historical data and I think that's possible too
0: Okay, great. Hey, so David, can you describe how having better visibility into, you know, just being able to trend and see things in, in more detail has been able to improve things?
2: Yeah, well, so part of the one of the things that we did when we was during commissioning at the bag is I was able to see how it was running, and see how the, the, the PID systems were working. So everything was working and noticed a few things that weren't working right. Um, it helped the commissioning of stuff to just to start out. Okay, so and
0: anything with troubleshooting or maintenance?
2: Oh yeah, so um, I use it for for maintenance all the time. Um, I mean you can you could put whatever in there that you're trying to to do if you're trying to to tune a PID, you can put you know your not only the um, the result, you can actually record maybe the uh, integral windup inside of the, the PID um, that could potentially help you you know, tune your P I D. Um so okay. we can you can do a lot of these things for a startup with um improving systems, maintaining systems, um and uh then of course there's a quality aspect which I typically serve up data to, to others so that they can see that and you know I don't I help other I help the quality people by giving them the data. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, I help myself with the maintenance stuff. Okay. The the human server. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, so now sorry. you're in discrete manufacturing. And um, yeah, but you've actually taken uh, uh, like a page out of the folks who are doing batches by by dividing mm-hmm. your discrete manufacturing into events comparing those events. Can you tell me what's what's going on with that?
2: Yeah, so um, I create what well, Sean actually showed me Hey, part of what when when we were building this thing, he says, you know why why don't I just show you? like kind of the art of the possible. And there is a, a system that he had access to, you know, the, the corporate systems for testing and display um, and showing stuff and training, I believe. So there's all sorts of different, um, uh, you know, stuff in that. He was showing me a lot of that. what just was possible. I had some ideas and I made a system that um, can, you um, use event frames to know when the press has gone into auto mode. And I'm also recording the, uh, the part number and shop order and other information. So we've integrated it a bit with the MES system so that when somebody at the, uh, at the press says, hey, I'm going to clock this job in, that job, the data from the job will go to the PLC, and I will read it with the PI system. So now I not only have the process data, I have the data about the process data, like part number, shop order, alloy, some other things like that. So what you can do now is say, show me all of the automatic modes. um, And I I programmed a bit to go true during uh, the time when automotive started and stopped. Uh, I programmed an event to uh, to go true and false and i was able to use that to compare runs for uh, for different type of products and align everything up with each other so that you can see the press curves um, overlaid on each other for different product lines and you can see the variation that does or doesn't happen in a product line to to try to discern um you know no that's better, a, that d- d- exactly, d- like a golden yeah. batch yeah, type thing. Like the golden batch. That's I exactly mean.
0: what our batch customers are doing. So what, what's what's it like? I mean, with that golden batch, does that help you better quality better uh, better end product?
2: Yes. Yeah, so um, some things are, are really uh, take uh, um, need to be really precise that we do. Um, like when we're doing um, titanium engine parts. Right. Um, there are a lot of parameters that have to be just right or you're not going to make that part, right, we're just going to throw it away. We're just just like, go back to, you know, all that, whatever you did, that didn't work. You keep on doing it until you you get the right part. So um, Okay, and these are these are not, these are
0: not lengthy processes, right? This is like five or six seconds or 10 seconds or something like that?
2: Yeah, well, the the so yes and no. So yes, the very critical thing happens in the five or six seconds. But You have a very hot part coming in that has to come in from an oven, and there's a manipulator that grabs the part and puts it in the oven. So there's minutes in between this five-second event, right? You have to get an old part out, prep the dies, put a new part in that's at a certain temperature, get it seated right, and then you press. So it's a big, there's a big going on to do this stuff. Um, So, and I imagine very variability within that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the whole data, it's uh, you know you'll you'll look at an hour's worth of data, but really what you really care about is mostly happening. There's about you know a minute of that. That's the goal, right, of the hour data because yeah, the pressing event for these things are, are usually pretty quick. Um, you know you have a machine that's jogging down to get close to it, but now really what you care about is when the die hits the metal until it gets to the end. So that's that's the curve that you want of the whole maybe five minutes to get one
1: part. It's five seconds of that that you're really looking at. Yeah. Yeah. David, I remember uh, the first time when we brought uh, that screen up that had all the different... Uh, Uh, events of you know the sixty thousand ton press you know (laughs) pressing down on your your parts uh you know just the 10 seconds and you know some values going over it and yeah uh when you're looking at that your eyes were just lighting up a bit yeah uh, yeah you don't know this is great like our this is cool our metallurgists need to see this right now yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah one small
2: victory. Yeah, and then for after it. that, you're
1: like, "Can we get? Can I get this data more often? You know, can I make yeah. this better?" Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm still
2: looking at, to, you know, what what's the next thing, you know?
0: Um, hey, so um, we hear a lot of customers talking about energy management. Um, are you doing anything with energy management now?
2: Yes. Uh, well, kind of. Um, the project I'm actually was working on today I had a small victory. Um, we're working on getting a rebate from Southern California Edison uh, with the the new press. We put a good amount of money in it to make it extra energy efficient with uh, very modern VFDs and algorithms that spin uh, motors down and try to reduce the power consumption of of giant power hungry press. Uh, So this, the modern technology should be much more uh, energy efficient than the older stuff so if we can prove that that we've done it, um, then we get we get some rebates.
0: It's always fascinating to talk to people who have had to do some of the um, so, some of the proselytizing or some of the popularizing of a system across an organization. And if I understand correctly, you I mean, you you had some really good milestones with that. What was it like working yeah. with this showing it to different people getting gaining acceptance? What was that like for you?
2: Um, yeah, well, it takes some work, because you have to go around and talk to people, you're not just sitting at your desk, a lot of it was going around just showing people this. Hey, this, this is what we're doing. Now, this is the better way to do the stuff and mm-hmm. stuff like that, or just explain to people, most people don't even really want to hear what the difference between a time series database and a relational databases, <laughs> they, they, they just don't, they don't care.
0: Yeah, well, what kind of um, response did you get when you showed, you know, what the capabilities? Oh, well,
2: yeah, ev- everyone liked it. So everyone's liked it. Um particularly the, uh, um, you know, the people that deal with the um, ovens and stuff. It's, uh, it's a much easier system to use than, than the other systems we have right. as far an end user perspective, just for the, uh, the tools that, that are available for reporting.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, one question we always ask is, has this helped with any larger corporate goals? I mean, you know, a lot of folks are big into sustainability, or they're looking for, mm-hmm. like I said, to move into condition based maintenance or something like that. How about yeah. yourselves? Was this was this did this align well to anything that you guys had been planning? I mean, um, some, some folks I mean, even have yeah, whole it's digital tri-
2: with mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, basically, the reasons we initially did it is working for all of those. Um, and I would like to, to take out some of the these older systems. And uh, centralize all the data into one spot instead of many different spots. Be maintaining less stuff, have less licenses for, for different products. Have people, you know, don't need to know so many things. Less mm-hmm. things to maintain. Um, it's kind of where I'm, where I, I want to head. Um, also, okay. the the ability to be able to relate data from one so, from one thing to another. You know, if it's all in one spot, you can do it much easier.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, like a lot of engineers, do you have a piece of broken gear? Or like a fried motherboard or something that you keep on your desk as a memento?
2: Um, well, I've got an old XP laptop on my desk right now. It's not a memento. <laughs> I want to get it off because I'm programming a 20 year old HMI today. So <laughs> It only runs on XP, and this machine's about to die. So that's what I have on my desk right now.
0: Goodness gracious. So you're working with an XP, so you can...
2: Yeah, amazing. yeah, yeah. i was forced to. Was so okay. sad.
0: Well, speaking of programming, so what's the coolest, either the coolest code you've ever written or the coolest calculation you've ever done?
2: Oh, that's I'm, I'm thinking of that. You know, I'll tell you what. It was at my previous job. Um, I program the control system um to do a fast start for an extrusion process that saved us a lot of time um, the other thing i did is during for a stretching process um, i was able to program the machine to automatically stretch if you really have to get into physics and stuff of how this worked but i was able to do very fast data calculations and understand when different stresses have met a certain point, And it wasn't just distance. So um, that really revolutionized uh, a stretching area, which was very important for us. So that was, uh, that very was cool. a pretty cool one. Oh, very yeah, cool. I very felt, cool. felt accomplished doing that. I felt smart. I like feeling <laughs> smart. <because laughs> so I felt really smart. Like no one else can yeah. figure this out. I'm so awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it cool.
0: great to <laughs> save the day. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't seen an operating area yet that didn't have some weird animal that's always clunk- getting into into the works. What's the yeah. what's the kind of animals torment your folks? Uh,
2: well, we've got a bunch of cats. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a bunch of cats at Weber metals that um, we've just, we've just let be there.
0: Well, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we've been talking to you. Uh, David Mitchell from mm-hmm. Weber metals. Thanks again, David.
2: Thank you. Okay. Thanks, we've, al-
0: we've also had as a co host, uh, uh, Sean Upson, Uh, from Aviva. Thanks again, Sean.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. Thank you again, everybody. We'll see you in another two weeks and uh, take care. Bye bye.